down for she creek. Well, that's where we all would meet. Skipping rocks and skipping school. Daddy taught us a golden rule with an old cane pole. A shady spot to sit. We learned everything we knew down for she creek. Yeah, we learned everything we knew. Cause we live down on Boshy Creek. You listen to the Foshy Creek Podcast. I'm Joby Holland, and uh, with me is Mr. Shed Whitaker of Mossy Oak, and today's guest, uh, Mr. Jordan Blissett, uh, Primos. Jordan, appreciate you being here. Man, yeah. I, I thought you were going to be on tractor this morning. Well, uh, I got finished last night about midnight, and I had to take the tractor. Well, I had a whole mishap yesterday. I was going down a big hill, and a clutch went out in the tractor, so I went to free rolling. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm lucky to be here right now. Uh, Boy, you are. But we ended up getting another tractor in about three or four hours later, and just finally got finished up covering seed last night, and the rains hit. About two o'clock this morning, we got an inch of rain, so it was perfect. Boy, you get, we ain't got them storms this morning. Yeah, they come through in a hurry and yeah. gone. You got them too, Shed. You said you got rain yeah. this morning. Yeah, we were. Sure. When I was driving in this morning, we had thirty. It was thirty-two degrees this morning. I had a frost on a light frost on the windshield <laughs> this morning. So I think it's coming here. It's gonna be a few weeks before we get a frost, I think. But uh, it's definitely cooler. Well, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you survived the the, the incident there, but uh, it's also nice to see that somebody else has a mishap once in a while besides just me, you know. Oh, it's always something. You get on them tractors and start using stuff you ain't used in a year, something's gonna break. That's right. Well, Jordan, tell us a little bit uh, who you are and what you do, and a little background on yourself, if you if you would. Well, I'm Jordan Blissett. Uh, currently, I'm a I guess a you call me a videographer at Primos, but kind of a do whatever they tell me to do guy you know and uh but i started an outdoor i guess industry nine years ago ten years ago something like that i think nine years ago and uh started working at giles island as a guide uh worked there one season and met rusty and the other camera guys from mossy oak down there filming shows and ended up uh I pestered them to death till I finally got an interview with them and ended up coming to Mossy Oak as a camera guy. And uh, I worked there for, what, I guess about three or four years. I don't know. So you, so you, know, really you know Shed were co-workers then, huh? Yeah, we were co-workers there for a while. I yeah. never did see Shed a whole lot. He was across the street. And uh, you didn't I was have to across fight. so very... You didn't and, have to uh, file anything with the Human uh, Relations Department or anything on Shed during your time? <laughs> I said I can remember. <laughs> oh, It'd been but, just a matter of time for you to stay there longer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's been a wild ride, man. And I started working at Primos in 2016, so I've been there, I guess, four years now. So it's been a an interesting journey, to say the least. Now, tell me a little about Giles Island. I, I've heard about that for years. That's that's a, that's a deer hunting mecca there, isn't it? And shit, yeah, you, you probably been it there. It is for too. sale. <laughs> and if you want to buy it, it's uh, easily bought for twenty million dollars. Well, you know, I just had my my checkbook just right over here. You know, yeah. so it if they'll is, take a check, I I'll send them one. I sent my earnest money in yesterday. Shed should yeah. have it. 
I had a couple wealthy friends of mine say, hey, find a group of folks. I'll put in one tent. <laughs> I don't know enough people that got that kind of money. Yeah. How, how good is how good is the hunting and your experiences down there, Jordan and Shed? Man, it's a it's definitely a special place to say the least. Uh, I never had experienced anything like that river hunting until I got that job down there, and it's a it's a whole different world from hunting in the pine rows where I grew up and up there in North Mississippi and all that, you know. And it's a it's definitely a special place. Is a numbers of deer is what's incredible, and the quality of deer. And so I mean, you go a good evening hunt in December, January, some of them big fields down there, you see 50, 60, 70 deer. It's pretty crazy. You know what, Jordan, I'm from born and raised in Southern Missouri, and but I get all the time people, and mainly it's because of where I'm at as far as how I talk. You know, I talk, people ask me all the time, now where, where are you from originally? Now, are you from South Mississippi? Are you from? I'm saying, no, I'm not from Mississippi. Well, are you from Louisiana? I'm like, no, I'm not from Louisiana. I'm like, well, where are you from? I got. I was born about two hours south of where you was born, you know, born, I'm born in Missouri, you know, and I've even got that when I've been down south, my wife and I go down to Orange Beach just about every, every summer, and uh, so I constantly get people, now, where are you from, you over around Jackson, no, I'm, I'm Missouri, but listening to you talk, I'm going to lose a lot of my credibility, you know, as far as, a, as far as a, a, a thought southerner, because I, I sound like a city slicker, like I'm from New York City compared to you, so. I think I got an overdeveloped tongue. I can't speak too good. <laughs> but, well, uh, but speaking on Giles, Shed, you've killed some good deer down there over the years, haven't you? I've never killed a deer there. I oh. hunted there. I filmed some good deer back when I used to film. I filmed some really good deer there. Um, I was, I've been there when they've killed some really good deer. Yeah. Um, but I've never... Uh, I've never killed a good one there myself. I always felt like I got gar hold. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that place is pretty good. I did, uh, I missed one down there two years ago, and uh, I still ain't figured out how I did that, but I did it. And uh, with that, I mean, the deer are hunting that. What are they, they've killed a couple, what, around 220? Another kill, the year that I got it down there, they killed like a 245. Yeah. That's what that, was. that was that big, big deer, and uh, mm -hmm. I think everybody in the nation seen a picture of him somewhere. May not know where he came from, but they've seen a picture of him. Yeah, they. I mean, if if they if somebody bought it and let it sit for about two years and just shot does only, that place would be off the charts. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Shed, with you being a future part owner in that, you know, in that new ownership, you're liable to get you to the. Another two get you a two forty five at some point. You know? Yeah, I'm just waiting on the bank to clear my check. <laughs> hey, uh, Jordan, what? Uh, who got you in the outdoors? Who Who was your inspiration for kind of getting you started as, as a young man? Man, I got. I really. I grew up in a hunting family. My dad, he hunted all the time, and that was uh. You know, we were at the deer camp just about every weekend since I can remember. Running dogs and riding horses. Was, we grew up in that that type of you know, traditional hunting camp down here in the south. We hunt ran dogs on public land and still hunted in the afternoons, you know, and that's uh that's really where I got started and I just yeah, I took to it like white on rice, you know. Just love it. Now where did you grow up exactly? Just around a Jackson area? Yeah, I grew up in between Jackson and Meridian in Scott County in a little town called Lake. Okay. It's a uh, population, I don't know, about three, four hundred counting cows. 
Now, what? Now, how, how far is that? I, I told you a while back. It. You know, I had some relatives that when I first started hunting them. Oh, where we actually saw some deer. I, where I grew up, Missouri. You know, we liable to hunt the whole gun season, and and maybe ten of us in camp. Maybe one person would kill one. That was it. I never remember two deer getting killed. So the first time I I went hunting in, in Mississippi, I had an uncle that farmed there around Edwards, and. Uh, and and his his boys there farm with him and I probably saw I was shooting 19 years old probably and I saw more deer probably the first set that day that I'd I'd been going with my dad since I was three or four you know so probably my whole life up to that point so how far was you how far is that from Edwards man Edwards is high class compared to where I grew up at a bunch of hardwoods over there but uh I probably it's probably an hour and 10 minutes to straight west where I grew up but uh I live like 30 minutes from there now do you? Now is that? Uh, yeah. And then I guess Primo is located there. And is it in Flora? Is that? So that's yep. And it's right like there in that same, right there in that same neck of the woods, yeah. isn't it? What, yeah. So your role, what's your role and responsibilities right now with Primo? Is everything? <laughs> and, all uh, things really, is assigned. It really varies from day to day. I mean, I'm in the marketing department, but I mean. Depends on what time of year it is, what I'm doing. Like the last two weeks, I mean, I've been on a tractor trying to get food plots and all that done probably 80 hours a week. And, you know, up until then with Corona and stuff, we had been working in the, in the office. I built a bunch of virtual sales videos and all kinds of stuff for trade shows this summer since they couldn't do it face to face. And it really, <laughs> I really just do whatever uh, needs to be done at the time. You know, I've learned how to edit and, know how to video and just do all the outdoor stuff as far as to getting the plots and stuff ready too every year so late pickle and i do uh do a lot of just whatever needs to be done at the time i guess you know food plot preparations that you've been doing a lot of that lately you say yeah between uh putting in food plots for primos and doing uh work for a company called habco on the side just whenever i have time and we've been getting a place ready for the last three four weeks too just on the weekends and afternoons and uh i stay busy you know what uh, talk to us a little about food plot uh, and land management you don't mind is that is that kind of your passion a little uh or one of your passions i guess or you just get yeah. you just get thrown well, in I, so you gotta look, do it i do got one now i just saw are you guys now in the seed business yeah, somewhat. Uh oh. So you so you you now a competitor <laughs> against us, I guess with biological is that is that correct? I guess so. <laughs> but I'd seen yesterday on Instagram that uh that one of the videos y'all put together with Will and Jimmy and I guess Brad talking about the new seed product. Yeah, that's been going now for I guess four four it was going before I started there. And uh it's just I mean it's another you know, just an avenue to have something going, you know. That's really the first time I'd seen any uh, video stuff for it, though. So I was kind of like, oh, hey. Yeah. I didn't know you guys were doing much of that. But. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it started. I guess they launched it in 2015. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, Jordan Shedd doesn't realize that you and I both are looking a whole lot better than, than we would. <laughs> than we would not, that, not that we look good now, but Shedd needs to appreciate how good you and I both look, and you're looking better than me. So you you dropped uh, a, you dropped a pound or two here lately, hadn't you? Yeah, I got to the point this summer. I just I was sick of being fat, you know, and <laughs> wanted to get back to where I could 
really get around and do what I needed to do without being winded all the time. So I stuck my stuck with it. And I've dropped about 50 pounds since uh, July. Tell you what, it's cow. been impressive, and, and because of, of Jordan, I've lost 25 uh, myself. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. You don't realize, I thought I was eating pretty healthy, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, apparently I was not. Yeah, but it gets miserable when you can't get around and just do the basic things you want to, you know, you want to do. And so. I still like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't never had that problem. You always been all big muscle man. <laughs> well, I try to stay in the gym. Yeah. But what did, what did you do to lose that weight? I've been doing this uh, program where you eat these bars and shakes and stuff, and then you have one regular lean meal every day. Uh, you just eat a bunch of times a day in small portions, and it's really more mental than it is anything. I think mm -hmm. you just eat the right stuff and stick with it. You know, and it's really you, you're eating that. about every two and a half hours or so. I mean, so you're I, sometimes I, you know, it's almost like a uh, kind of you're annoyed because you, well, you got to eat again. You know, it's like you got to make yourself. You really retreat kind of retrains your, your mind and, and, and your body. It's been the easiest thing I've ever done, you know. I yeah, wish I could say I was working out, but I, I hadn't done, other than climbing a tree, <laughs> you know, 20 foot. That's about the only exercise that I, I've been getting, so it's, it's really been outstanding. Yep, it's been pretty cool. I know I feel a ton better by doing it and being able to go and go and go and not slow down anymore, you know. Yeah, the energy levels has, has, has been noticeable uh, from my standpoint, just, just did you, did you notice a big difference when you was elk hunting? Man, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I've been elk hunting now. I guess the first year I started Mossy Oak, I went on the first elk hunt, and I about died because I was with Ben Mackey. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, know, I know. I think everybody in West Point's heard that story. Yeah. I thought they was going to have to call a helicopter in up there. And, uh, but, yeah, it was tremendous difference this year doing being that much lighter, I mean, crap, I lost a sack of corn off my gut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I was listening to your podcast that uh, that you did talking about your hunt, and uh, it's a good thing you lost because you had to climb that, what, you said, climb that mountain two or three times, even once to hunt it, and a couple times looking for your, your vest, didn't you? Yeah, if somebody ever finds that vest up there, they're going <laughs> to find a little gold mine. It's about $2,000 worth of stuff in it. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> got a... A range finder in it and a, one of them uh, True Fire snap releases thumb, you know, the mm -hmm. finger release, and those ain't ain't inexpensive by any means, and all kinds of other goodies in it. A couple, couple bars and all kinds of food and whatever else. Barrel will have it drug out. Oh, ain't no yeah, doubt. Yeah. We'll find remnants of it one day, maybe. What, you go back, you, you go back there again next year or? If everything works out, we've been hunting that place. I think Primo's has hunted it for 20 years now. So as long as everything works out and we'll get our lease back and all that, you know, so it's a year to year deal. So you don't ever know what next year will bring, but hopefully if we're blessed. Yeah. Did you, shit, have you seen his hunt? <clears throat> or did you draw a line to saying since they started that seed company, so I ain't watching anything that they do right now? <laughs> no, since when he left, when he <laughs> left us. They went to Primo's. I said, I'm done with big country. <laughs> he couldn't hang with us. Uh, he, he about died on us on the mountain, and we've, we've parted ways. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, hey, tell him about it, Joy. Eight feet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I, uh, I mean, after I shot him, I pulled up my range finder, and it wasn't even registered, and I stepped <laughs> it off, and it was eight, eight of my steps, so I guess about Ooh. two or three yards, you know. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, when I pulled back on him, he was like 10, 10 yards, you know, coming, walking towards me, so I couldn't shoot him till he got broadside, and he finally took a couple steps to the right and got right for me, and I couldn't even look through my peep and figure out where to aim because all I could see was brown, so I just kind of <laughs> instinctive shot him. <laughs> but it was it was definitely uh definitely one I'll remember forever. Oh yeah, no no doubt about it. And your reaction afterward, just your excitement. You know, and sometimes you watch, uh, you know, hunting shows or something, and you know, it doesn't feel authentic. You were 100%, uh, beyond 100% authentic, you know, and just as calm and collected, you know, how's this guy got the composure? But, boy, then as soon as, basically as soon as the arrow hit him and you knew he was hit, it, you, you felt it then, didn't you? Yeah, when I saw him start stumbling is when it hit me. Um, my knees buckled. If I wouldn't have had a tree behind me, I'd probably fell over backwards. <laughs> you know, I saw something here not too long ago about, I guess, well, it was a guy on a golf cart, so you wasn't in a golf cart, so you were good, but the guy got uh, gore, didn't he, with a, and I guess that elk as close he was could have easily yeah, was, have, have turned and come to you. Did you see that, Chad? Yeah, I was in Colorado on a golf course. So as long as, long as Jordan ain't hunting on a golf course, I guess he's all right, but what would you, <laughs> You wouldn't have had much reaction time if that sucker had turned and come towards you, would you? Uh, that's uh, that's one of the first things my wife asked me, you know, what would you have done if he'd have ran at you when you shot him? Because he don't know where that shot came from, you know? And uh, I was like, I don't know. I hope I got behind that tree fast enough. Now, Jordan, growing up from rural Mississippi, and I, I've never been elk hunting. I've got a brother-in-law that, uh, that, that that's his passion. He loves to do it. I, I always, most of my time, been on a limited budget you know over the years so i try to put all what that budget is in places like giles island and things like that deer hunting you know and so being from where you at not having hunted elk as a young man what was a big adjustment for you going out there things you had to learn it's different from from whitetail hunting was there a big transition difference from one to the other or is it similar it's it's really far as what you can do with those animals when they're rutting is pretty incredible you can get really close and get away with some stuff when they are when they're acting right now if they ain't if they're just normal acting they're just as cautious as a whitetail i think but when they're bugling and trying to find cows and trying to beat up other bulls and stuff they uh they definitely uh you can get away with some stuff like drawing back on that bull of him at 15 yards coming right at me you couldn't do that with a whitetail mm -hmm. you know but and uh, one of the biggest things is like with them is if you spook them, they ain't like a whitetail where they run 150 yards and, you know, settle back down. Them suckers running miles. <laughs> so you, you got to be really cautious on the wind because that's one thing you can't beat on them is their nose. Shit, elk hunting, you done much? I've, I think I've shot about half a dozen. Have you? Um, I've killed a couple really big ones and then I've... I mean, just hunting them in general's a blast. I mean, they come running up through there. It's like a giant turkey that's got antlers, so it's even better. Yeah. And they just, they fun to hunt. It's just, now it's just drawing. You know, most of the places we put in for, you only draw every few years. I've got, uh, I come up to 11 points in Wyoming. I've got a certain area I'm going to put in for there that, is really good but it takes about 13 or 14 points to get so i'm just holding off a couple more years and then we put in from new mexico but i didn't draw this year we just had a couple guys come back and they shot some pretty nice elk but uh it's just a lot of it is drawing now you guys probably are you was your place in new mexico or colorado you guys were at jordan 
it's in uh, New Mexico, and uh, what it is is a private ranch. So we are uh, we're able to get you know landowner tags mm -hmm. issued. So it works out pretty good. I mean, it's still a chance you wouldn't get one, but it's uh, as long as he puts them in in time and you get everything registered, you'll more than likely get it. Jordan, what do you tell a guy that, that's never been but's considering going elk hunting? Is there any advice you'd give or anything that, uh, besides do it? You know, what would, would you give a guy that's uh, considered maybe going elk hunting and hadn't been before? Yeah, I get that question a lot, and uh, the number one thing i've came to telling people is don't put expectations on it just go to enjoy the experience of going you know you you very much can get out there and kill one but then again you very much can go and stay two weeks somewhere and not ever see a elk you know and it's just really uh going and doing it and learning it if you're going to do it yourself especially i mean you could go get lucky the first year you go but a lot of the guys that are good at it have been doing it a long time, you know, and figured out what to look for for his areas and looking at satellite maps and figuring out where elk should be and then going and finding them. And it's a, uh, it's definitely a lot that goes into it. It's like the place we hunt, you know, we, uh, every year we've been hunting there a long time and, but every year it's something different. The elk may be moved three, four miles and you have to go find them, you know, and it's just one of those deals you go, with low expectations, hoping to get lucky, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, turkey gobble or an elk bugling? Which, which is which is the best sound for you? Because turkey gobbling's awful good sound to hear. I, I, I heard. Which one for you? If you gave me a choice, it'd be a it'd be a turkey. And the reason because is, as I can go out there and get one, and the next day be able to do it again. You know, elk's a one and done deal pretty yeah. much. We get fortunate because several people have tags and I get to see four or five or six get shot every year just about. And, but uh, but turkeys, man, you can do it every day, you know, and you can't get tired of it in my opinion. Now you had uh, a good turkey hunt. Uh, I've watched it at some point where I guess it was you and Lake Pickle and, and your wife's first turkey, I think. Well, <laughs> t tell us a little bit about that if you don't mind. So it was, uh, we went down to Florida. I had a buddy of mine and, uh, he, uh, called us, called me back in February that year. It's like, Hey, I want to come down. I got a place we can probably hunt. And I was like, shoot. Yeah. Jesse had never killed a turkey. She's been trying to Mississippi for five or six years. And I think she's missed two, but every, if you've hunted down here, you know how tough it can be. And, uh, but I was like, shoot. Yeah. Do you care? If, you know, my wife comes and she, can hunt i'd rather not hunt if she can and we went down there and uh ended up killing one i think the second day first day or second day and it was crazy we didn't have a clue and she picked that turkey up and he had two inch spurs and was like golly has she gone has she done any good since then or is that uh, that's that's a heck of a way to start out isn't it yeah, she went a few times that uh that spring here and we never did get on much i had a terrible season that year but uh we had a, a little girl the following spring, so she hadn't really had a chance to get in the woods much since we had her. I think she went once or twice since we've had Brenda. And how old, is, how old is your daughter? She'll be two in May. So she was born on May 1st. So she uh, Jesse was severely pregnant throughout turkey season <laughs> that, next year. It, it won't be long. It'll little be following along with you a time or two. That'll be a uh, whole other element for you, won't it? We're already working on her hoot. She's almost got it down. <laughs> Is that right? 
Yeah. Hey, on, on your food plots, I know you've been working on them a bunch. What, you know, what size plots are you, uh, or have you been putting in that you typically do? I guess on some of your properties, pretty good size ones, I would assume. Yeah, well, it really varies. I mean, we uh, like we got a new camp this year, and uh, we really just been using what was provided there before because we didn't have time to bring in bulldozers and all that and make them really big. So they they they're varying. We got two or three, it's three or four acres, and then we got a bunch of them that's an acre to a half acre, you know. And uh, the place that I've been working with Habco on, we actually went in there last year and developed a plan on it on what we wanted to do for this summer. So we went in there this year and put, I don't know, uh, four or five big, you know, five to 10 acre plots on it. So it uh, it should draw a lot of deer this year throughout the, throughout the winter. Now, is that what you refer to as the zoo? Yes, sir. And uh, yeah. go ahead, Shit. You had, let's see, you had Cottonmouth. Now, it's since been sold. Then you had Will Walker's place, right? Yeah, well, Cottonmouth was Will Walker's place. Oh, okay. Now, did yeah. he sell it? No, uh-uh. we just, uh, we got a new lease this year. And just, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, what was Will's place called that you had? That he do what? What was Will's place called that he had that he sold? Uh, it was Rivers Run. Rivers Run. Yeah, he uh he sold it the year I started here. I never got to hunt on that place. Okay. Now will y'all still hunt cottonmouth or floods kind of? Yeah, it's, it's been it's been pretty tough on it with the deer herd last few years. So we'll probably uh stick to our new little couple leases we got here in the we got a new place in the Delta. It's right on the edge of the Delta, and uh, a few more places just around here locally. A little bit different than having that river land. So we'll see how it goes. You know. <laughs> now is that is the zoo is that pre is that just something you're doing on the side or is that is that primos is doing as well uh we'll hunt out there some for primos but no it's a it's a deal that we've been managing for the landowner trying to get it uh just established for as everything that it needs to be a really good deer place you, you know i've heard about the old cottonmouth for years i know a lot of people have too give us just a little little rundown on on what cottonmouth is and uh acreage uh habitat you know how it's how it's kind of laid out what what it's all about because it's been awful successful for you i know yeah man cottonmouth something special for sure i hate i hate we can't hunt there anymore but it uh everything good comes to an end at some point i guess i hope we'll be back over there in a, you know a couple of years and be back back in the groove but uh it was ten thousand acres and uh yeah, that seems like a huge place but the way uh it laid out it was probably 5,000 acres of it huntable, which is still a lot of land, you know, and it was uh, definitely a really, really good place. I'm not, I mean, I can't even say anything bad about it. It's just it's inside the Mississippi River levees right on the Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi line. So you got three licenses there to hunt on, and it was uh, definitely worked for what we need to do for TV. We really didn't have to travel at all because everybody legally could kill five or six bucks, you know. And uh, it's definitely a, a fun place to hunt. I mean, it was fun learning it, that river dirt. Ever since I started hunting on that stuff and working on it, it's uh, very much intrigued me. And a lot of quantity and quality of deer both, I guess, right? Very much. We uh, We've had some really good deer there, no doubt. Is a, I mean, we kill a ton of good deer too. You know, the uh, some people, you know, they call them culls, but 
I'm happy shooting whatever. <laughs> and uh, but we killed. I mean, it was it was definitely a, a fine place. Chid, what do you guys got any place in the Midwest? You're hunting or have you guys I, got rid of all those? I drew a Kansas tag this year, so uh, and Brad did too. So Brad and I'll be going to Kansas. This is uh, Unit 14, I think, up there around north of Wichita and all that, or not Wichita, somewhere up there. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, we, that's the only Midwest hunt we've got planned this year. Yeah. No, I miss hunting Midwest all the time, especially in November. Yeah. Will Walker, his family, they own Cottonmouth. Is that right? Is that? Yes, sir. Yeah. He used to do a lot of stuff Primo's wise early on. He's I get he's not as is he still involved a little bit uh, with Primo's in any capacity other than Cottonmouth or or no? Yeah, he's I mean he's always just been uh been a really good friend of Will Primo's and Brad and all the guys there. So he's always been involved in some hunt or another. I think he elk hunted with it last year, and uh, he every once in a while he'll he'll pop up and come deer hunting with us something like that. He's uh he definitely you can't ever tell when he's coming or going, but he'll show up and have a good time, you know. Now when you when you get on a new place like like your zoo or a property, what from a food plot standpoint or just arranging things, I I'm pretty confident you don't just go and haphazardly start disking up some ground or clearing some and just throwing any old seed down. It's you you've got all that stuff thought out and mapped out way before you do it. What what things do you look at uh, in trying to determine that uh, from where to put it, how to put it, uh, what the best location is on a property, and uh, you know, from to what seeds you use, and, and and all that stuff, kind of everything it entails. Well, like the zoo, for for instance, like we hunted it last year, and we had no food plots on it, and that was pretty much on purpose because we wanted to figure out what the deer movement was on that place, where to stay away from, and where to add stuff to we had peanuts planted there last summer which really made it outstanding early season and uh throughout the year we actually lost deer on that place but at the same time we kept hunting it to put a plan together for this year and uh, we went in there and a few spots that i had mapped out and it's a low ground too so we had to watch out where places held water and all that we did a a lot a lidar map on it and figured out where we needed to put what and uh, we went in there this summer and started bush hogging and clearing stuff out. That way we could get in those plots we needed that we could access good, hunt on the right winds, and had a had a place you could hunt on on that on that property any day of the week, depending on the wind or any kind of setup, you know. What's your what's your varieties? I assume you put a, a variety of things out, but what uh, what type of varieties of of seed for food plots do you typically use? Man, my, my go-to for is system I've been using for four or five years now, and uh, it's, it's been working really well. We uh, we go in, and it's, we actually seed drilled out there this year, but normally I'll go in and disc a couple times, and then uh, whenever the, the soil looks good, we'll uh, go in and put cereal grains out, which is, you know, some type of wheat, oat mix with uh, – depends on fertilizer ratio really depending on what kind of soil you got we did a soil test on everything out there and figured out what we needed and how much but uh <clears throat> once i put my cereal grains out and cover them i'll come back over the top with uh, some type of brassicas and uh a clover some type of white clover if it's higher ground i will not put 
clover out if it's low ground just because you're wasting money doing it. I mean, you'll get a few couple months of use out of it, but that stuff's expensive, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but uh, that's pretty much a go-to system. I don't cover my brassicas. As soon as I cover my cereal grains, I just overseed brassicas on that, and uh, you get a little rain, it, it sends them down in there just right to come up and have a good germination now, ratio. Do you, do you mix your, your brassicas with anything, or are you just straight <clears throat> brassica in, 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 in those plots? Is that what you do? Yeah, well, I put them over top of the cereal grain. Okay. I don't like mixing my my cereal grains and my brassicas just because if you get them brassicas too deep, they don't they don't come up that well. Oh shit! You you probably got some some biologic you'd send him, don't you? I can't. Yeah, just, to, just to try a plot or two. He's on it. He knows what he's doing. He <laughs> he uh he probably just like us waited till this. I planned a little bit right before this last hurricane. We didn't get. Near, you know, typical news media, you know, media, fake news. Well, we're going to get 10 inches, and I don't even know if we got half an inch. So I planted a little bit, or I planted all my food plots, actually, right before that last hurricane, and, and uh, they're starting to look like a golf course now. They look pretty good coming up. When do you now, shoot for, Jordan, as far as getting your plots in? You're doing that right now. So you, you try October 1st. Is that kind of what you shoot for and see what happens, or? Not necessarily. I'm way behind this year with all this Corona stuff. Like I, like I was in the office all of, all of August pretty much. So that set my prep behind another month. And then we left September 10th and stayed till the almost the 30th elk hunting this year. So I pretty much wiped out everything I normally do in August and September. So I'm a month behind. Usually I want the Braska, she had knows this too, but like the Braskas you want down here in the south, I want them in by September 15th. Yeah. Just because you so, got to have a long, you need uh, good maturity days. 45 days or hits. so probably, you know. I guess we're that, yeah. that much farther behind you. See, I, I shoot for around August 15th. So we're, as climate-wise, Midwest, so, Missouri, about a month behind where you are. Yeah. The hard part of planting them down here is a lot of times we'll get a real dry July and August and even September. And so just... You know, sometimes we get a lot of drought that time of year, and then you just can't get in and plant it in because you're just it's a dust bowl. Yeah, this it's year a, it's, it's, it's really a gamble. Wet. It's a yeah. gamble so, planting early because you got to worry about army worms too on yeah. top of the drought. Yeah, that's definitely true. But the the times I have had them come up and get a rain on them, and the army worms don't mess with them, it is something special come December if you can get a good stand of them. Boy, it is what. What's your favorite brassicas to plant? They kind they kind of radish, or is it do you plant any of those, or turnips, or what's what's your what's your favorite? Really a mix. I love daikons. I love a uh, purple top, seven top, uh, rape of rape, of course. I mean that's in just about any brassica blend you can buy, and uh, but that that three or four type mix right there is definitely the go-to for me. I like seven top especially because they don't put a big bulb and if you add them in with daikons and purple top you know they don't take up as much room and you still get a really good dense mixture of leafy matter on top you know now you fertilize from the get-go right when you when you put it down and you like a 13 13 13 is that something kind of what you use or i normally if i can get my hands on it i use triple 19 because it's a little bit more expensive, but you don't have as much filler in it. So you actually get more for your money. This you, year, uh, Triple 19 was about non-existent as far as when I went shopping for it. And we used 13 just 
I just up my up my ratio on pounds per acre with 13. Do you ever come back, you know, a month or so after germination with any urea, you know, high nitrogen? Do you, have you, do you do that as well? Usually, uh, usually about the third week of November, if it's dry enough, we'll come over top of urea. Pretty noticeable difference on getting that good full growth, isn't it, from doing it without doing it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, if somebody told me they couldn't fertilize, I, I just like, well, you shouldn't have even planted. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went for several years, and I, I was always afraid to come back in and put that nitrogen on there because I just didn't trust my own farming skills. You know, so I thought, I got a good stand. It's looking good. I'm going to burn this sucker up, you know, and I wasted all my efforts. And I had, uh, oh, two food plots, basically side by side. Now, there's a little, di little bit of distance between them, but two side by side. One, a buddy of mine did. Same seed, same everything, same fertilizer from the beginning. And he put the urea on there, and I did not. And I mean noticeable difference. He, You know, he had turnips and stuff big as, I want to say big as a volleyball. I'd stretch him. It was pretty darn big. They were pretty darn big, you know, compa compared to mine. So I, I thought from then on, hey, if I burn it up, I burn it up. But I'm I'm, I'm putting it on there, and it is it, it has been a big difference maker. We mentioned the cottonmouth, and another one of, one of the most best authentic hunts, genuine hunts I've seen as far as its excitement was your your 13th pointer, the son of rocker, I believe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Man, I, there's nothing but getting lucky and being the person with the gun. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's what, we, that's uh, what it's all about. Yeah, we, we saw, we had seen that deer for two or three years, and he was very distinct looking, so you could figure out you know he was the same deer every year and uh but anyway we me and will actually the year before will was bow hunting and we had that deer come in chasing a doe and he stood behind a tree all you could see was his front shoulders and his butt for 20 minutes and uh that doe took off and he went right behind her and will didn't get a shot and he was like at 25 yards so that's the only reason i got to kill that deer is because he stood behind a tree for will and didn't <laughs> give him no lungs but uh but that deer where I, when i killed him we had uh he was probably a mile from where he normally hung out at and uh we pulled cameras that day and checked and he was in there the afternoon before and we didn't have a stand at all in there set up for the wind we were gonna get so lake and i was like we got to go in there he's in a spot we can kill him we can go climb and hopefully get lucky just taking a guess on where he's coming from and uh, sure enough, man, we uh, I think it was December. The it was early December, right when they're thinking about getting heavy rutting over there in the Delta. And uh, I think we saw like 13 or 14 bucks that day. It was just one of them days the deer moved really well, and uh, we were sitting there. I shot shot him at like 4:30 in the afternoon, sitting there, and looked over to the right, and I looked like a freaking cow standing there. And uh, and he uh finally got out where I could shoot him and I, I shot him and after that it all fell apart <laughs> I mean that was the biggest deer I'd ever seen while while I was hunting you know that's still, that's still your biggest is that your biggest white tail that's oh your, yeah no doubt yeah yeah he's a he's a pretty one on those big properties you have as far as patterning how do you do that on such big properties and know kind of what you have you all put out a lot of cameras and uh on your properties yeah, that's it makes it tough in that delta ground, man, because everything's flat. I mean, really, all you have to go off of is patterning deer or timber cuts, like back a long time ago, some type of edge, you know. And but those deer over there, like 
it really depends on the deer if you can pattern them or not because we've killed deer that we saw on the south end of the property that we killed on the north end within two days and that's like five or six miles difference and uh like rocker for for instance the deer jimmy ended up killing he uh he stayed in an area probably no bigger than 60 or 70 acres. I mean, he really didn't move, and that was what made him so hard to kill because he knew when you came in there trying to hunt him. He was in a little area, and he wasn't going to move out of that area, so you had to encroach in on him to really think you had a shot at him, you know, and he finally messed up and uh, came into a food plot in the daylight for like two days, and we went in there, and he uh, did the same thing three days in a row, so that was the demise of him, but yeah, running cameras is huge, really. I mean, running cameras and hunting a lot of spots, you know, as long as you don't blow them out is where you really figure out what deer are doing. Yeah, the cameras have been big difference maker as far as scouting, keeping yourselves out of the woods. It's really, really changed. I, I get as excited about uh, about that as I do almost killing one, just to, you know, not not as much, but, but, but close, you know. Mm-hmm. I get, uh, I was telling Shed here a while back, when cell cameras kind of first got rolling, you know, I'd get, of course, texts during the night, you know, and sometimes I'd look, but a lot of times I wouldn't look. Cause I, I, so, like Christmas morning when you was a kid, I couldn't wait to get up and take a look at it. But when it first started happening, my wife's like, you know, it'd be three in the morning. Who, who's texting you at three in the morning? You know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's not a girlfriend. You know, it ain't nothing, it's, it's a deer. Let me show you, you know. It's so. wor- worse than a girlfriend. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I had a buddy of mine text me a couple years ago. He was hunting down the Delta and killed a couple of good bucks. He goes, man, you got to get down to the Delta Mississippi and hunt, extend your season. The late, you know, rut gets going a little later than, than where you are. What what opportunities are down there for a person looking to hunt in the Delta? Is it difficult to find uh, permission? Is there some outfitters, public land, anything uh, for a guy to get down man. that way? Uh, you can pretty much, unless you get really, really lucky, you can count getting permission out. Yeah. You can uh, find, there's a bunch of camps to get in for as, you know, share clubs and, you know, leasing three, four hundred acres for two or three guys and that kind of opportunity. But uh, there is a ton of pretty good public land in the Mississippi Delta. I mean, it's tough, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you still get that Delta experience and you're going to probably see deer if you go in the right time of year, you know. But uh, if I were to go and just try to figure it out myself, that'd probably be where I start. Is okay. going some of that public land and just if nothing else, you'd get some pigs down. <laughs> no outfitters really down that way, I guess. Mississippi's not really known for a lot of outfitters, uh, are they? We had, you know, we had Giles Island and and that. I mean, I think they're still outfitting there, aren't they, Jordan? Or you, do you know or they're not running any hunts this year? Really? As far as I know, I did. Yeah, I, did, I know it's for sale. I didn't know if they were running hunts or not. Yeah, due to the COVID stuff and all the people that come and go, you know, hunting, they uh, I think they shut it down. Yeah. Last I heard, that may have changed, but that was uh, two months ago. They said they were shutting it down for this year. But so, uh, there is Terra, Terra Wildlife. Right. I think they started selling uh, bow hunts again this year because, I mean, the South Mississippi Delta got wrecked three years ago with the flooding. Yeah, it flooded inside the levees and outside the levees from the backwater and what it, I think it flooded almost a half million acres or three quarters of a million acres or something. It, it was a big span, and uh, the deer really took a hard, hard hit. And especially in that in-between area, that backwater region, in between the 
the levee and the backwater, them deer didn't have anywhere to go and nothing to eat. So it's uh, definitely recuperating, but it's not like it once was, you know. So you don't think I could show up on some farmer's uh, door and knock and say, hey, shit, Whitaker said it was okay if I hunted here? You think you think that'd work? <laughs> that'd probably, you better use Jordan's name. <laughs> you got more pool down there than I do. Yeah, you, uh, you might get lucky, man, but uh, I haven't. But like that, I've been looking for uh, asking permission here and there and all over the place for the last three or four years and haven't had any luck. It's the main thing is just finding some land to lease or joining a camp. If you want a place, you can come and go whenever you want. You know, deer hunting sacred down in, in Mississippi. And they, you can say I'm Jordan Bliss from Primos. And that ain't going to affect them much, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not hey, at all. Hey, I appreciate you. I like Primos. But it's coming to you and my deer hunting. And it's not happening, you know. Hey, yeah. We did did a podcast here a couple episodes ago with uh, Jake and Jake Meyer and, and Shed on getting into the hunting industry and and of course obviously that's that's where you're at and work to work to get in it through Mossy Oak and now Primos. What what advice would you give for somebody trying to trying to to be the next Jordan Blissett and and uh, get in the hunting industry? Is there any, any one thing or a few things that would be helpful? Well, I wouldn't want anybody to try to be me. <laughs> but anyway, but man, what a, I think the biggest thing probably to get your foot in the door somewhere, learn how to run a camera is what I always tell people. You can find work if you know how to run a camera. It may not be the funnest work in the world in the outdoor business, and uh, but you can definitely meet people and build a network that way. And, you know, uh, that's key, in my opinion, is figuring some way to that you're that you're useful because everybody and their brother can go sit in a deer stand and shoot a deer you know but if you bring a skill to the table that people can actually use you're uh, they're a whole lot more likely to give you a chance you know did you have any uh jordan did you have any camera experience or did you just said hey you want to yeah i'll figure it out yeah i can do that i've done that did you just say <laughs> that and figure it out after the fact well i had never had any professional camera experience i'll put it like that when rusty handed me that camera i looked at it like it was a ufo but uh I, the biggest thing rusty told me when uh when i came up there is like you know how to hunt and uh you know somewhat how to film a hunt because we filmed them at giles and he was like we can teach you how to film it professionally you know and i was like all right i'll do it i'll do whatever it takes you know i'll sweep the floors up here if you want me to <laughs> but you know being that being a, being a guy like you said that grew up hunting all the time, did, did that impact your ability to hunt? Did you have to kind of sit that on the shelf for a while, or are you still is there still plenty of time, years time for Jordan to do his his thing? So the first, I guess the first three or four years that I started doing this, I think I went deer hunting for myself maybe three or four times, compared to when I was just fawn hunting. I, I hunted just about every day or at least four or five days a week, you know. And But, I mean, when I was filming and doing all that every day just about, I mean, I really didn't miss hunting because I was still getting a hunt, you know. Mm -hmm. You may not be getting to shoot anything, but I finally figured out, you know, if I'm going to make it, make a living doing this, I got to put my wants aside and do yeah. what needs to be done, you know. What do you think set you apart when you when you came to Mossy Oak? Of course, they were looking for a cameraman. You said you had done some there at Giles, but what do you think set you apart? Because there had to be a lot of other people interested in in the position, and the same at Primo was that. What set you apart that 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 allowed you to go ahead and get those jobs? 
man, I have no idea. They must have not had anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> that was my, my only thought. I was like, well, they must not have any more options. This it, is good. Look, looking through the resume folder, there's only one thing in there. Let's <laughs> give them a shot, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I ended up doing that. I think a lot of it was Jimmy Riley from Giles telling him that he thought I could do it and be good at it. The old word of mouth go is, is goes a long way as far as mm. contacts and meeting people and making yourself available and being pleasant and treating people the right way. It don't take long. And all those things, the old golden rule kind of deal, how you treat others always comes back to when you're a respectful person and people can speak highly of you. And that's, that's getting to be a lost art. You would think there'd be a lot of people that would fall in that category. But uh, when it comes to folks working, I know in my business that, I like to get good quality people and the rest of the stuff. I, I don't say I can teach them because I don't know a lot, but I can find somebody can teach them the tactical aspects, but can't teach them to be what your uh, mom and dad uh, taught them as far as how to grow up and whatnot. And I think just being willing to work and do something that's not necessarily in your job title has mm -hmm. became a disease. Now everybody says, well, that ain't in my job. Yeah. I ain't doing it. You know, you know, there's a thing on my job description that says they're about, a hundred and some odd responsibilities, but the bottom it says, and all other things assigned, you know? Yeah. So that's the one that seemed like I don't do any of the other ones, but it's all those things assigned. But yeah, you better be willing to do whatever they, whatever they tell you to do, or you, you gotta go somewhere else. Yeah, Shed knows the drill. When he was back in the day video and full time, he used to do whatever you told to do. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any training, Shed, and video on, or did you just jump in there and figure it out? When I, when I started, I was actually working for um, work for these guys at the time. They were called Buck Country Outdoors. They were out of Kentucky. I'd filmed some with them, and then uh, I went to work for Fred Zink with Avian X. It's actually Zink Calls, and I was when I was filming for him. They Mossy Oak was buying content from us for their early Whistling Wings videos. So when I went to work at Mossy Oak, I already had to a little bit of experience but we weren't mossy oak was using the big giant beta cameras back then and i wasn't using one of them when i went to work here so i had to learn that camera and i went from carrying a smaller lighter camera to something weighed about 25 pounds i didn't have no schooling i just knew that i wanted to work here yeah and that was a getting my foot in the door jordan you had to grow up watching mossy oak videos primos all of them so, you know, tell us a little bit about working with Will and, and, and Jimmy, uh, to name a couple there. They're, they're iconic in the hunting industry, and now all of a sudden you're sitting in a, in a tree with them or kind of how all that went. And I'm sure now it's you just know them as people and you pass that. But early on, uh, how, how was that working with those two? It was, uh, you know, when I started at Masioka, I got to be around, you know, quite a few people that I'd always looked up to, especially Cousin Toxie, you know, I'd been growing up watching them, and, you know, that I had gotten, by doing that, I had gotten somewhat used to being around these special people, you know, <laughs> in, in in our eyes, and uh, when I came on at Primo's, and Will came, he came in there, and they introduced me to him, and <clears throat> I don't remember exactly the first thing he asked me, but he uh, one of the first one of the first things I can remember him asking me was about my family. You know, he's like, "How's your family? They got moved down here yet? When when they come and you got a house?" He was he was he wasn't even concerned about me working there. He was concerned about everybody 
around me getting settled in for me to do this. And uh, that right there, I mean, that was a, one of the first conversations I had with him worrying about my family. He didn't even know, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gave you an indication of who he was then, didn't it? Yeah, Wills, he's a special individual, I can tell you that. He uh, depends on who who says what, but, like, he's very – he can be very intense. And Shed knows this. <laughs> and uh, – but <laughs> – but like when uh when he gets his mind set to something that sucker he's straight line to it till it gets done and it's pretty neat seeing somebody's got that kind of work ethic and he's taught me a a lot about business and just being doing what I need to do to better myself from day to day you know you know not I don't know who told me this but uh, you know Levi Morgan the, the archer you know world champion thirteen times or whatever they were comparing to a degree, and now you're either going to laugh or you're going to tell me this is true, <laughs> but they were comparing Levi Morgan basically to Jimmy Primo's from a gun standpoint, saying Jimmy was was basically like a gun savant, you know, that he knew a whole lot about, you know, rifles, uh, you know, uh, ammunition, the whole bit, you know, that he was uh, outstanding with that. Is that is that somewhat accurate? Yes, it's very much. If if we have any kind of guns or whatever come in and we're getting them scoped up and or have any kind of questions, they go to Jimmy Primo's. Like he is, he's the man. A lot of people don't know this about Jimmy, but he uh he served, I know two tours in Vietnam, if not three. Yes. And and if you know what kind of man he is to survive over there for however long that was, and uh. He's he definitely is a, a tough man that knows a whole lot about some firearms. Didn't he just open a firearm store? Yep, it's called the called the Range by Jimmy Primos. It's here in Madison, Mississippi, and uh, it's pretty cool. He's got an indoor range. You can shoot everything up to a fifty cal in that bad boy. Is that right? And uh, you can go in there and rent fully automatic machine guns and shoot them. It's it's pretty neat. He's like a kid in a candy store up there. He's a, every time you walk in there, he's holding some kind of Tommy gun, just smiling. <laughs> That's outstanding. So it's nice to see a fire still burns there. He's got started a new venture, and and uh, so that's that's outstanding. Deer season's you know kind of right here for for a lot of folks. And uh, like I said, I drove six hours yesterday and got to see a doe. But like I said, I'm pretty pretty confident that doe would give birth to some Pope and Youngs that uh, in a few earlier years. There, no no question about it. But what, uh, Jordan, what advice do you give folks as, as they're going into the season uh, to kind of help them be successful or just their, just their enjoyment? Uh, what would you give to people? Man, I've, I've been on a kick on this for a couple of years now. And one of the things I see a whole bunch of on social media, I mean, that's where I see it at is, uh, you know, people buck shaming, they call yeah. it, you know, talking down on somebody else's kill or whatever. I mean, it may, might, it may not be the deer that you'd have shot, but he shot it and he's happy with it, so don't talk bad about him, you know. Just mm -hmm. go hunting for the reason we all started hunting. I didn't start hunting to go kill a big deer. I just started hunting because I wanted to go kill something, you yeah. know. I just mm -hmm. I just wanted to go hunting and enjoy it. And, and be, uh, be with your dad I, and your family. Yeah, that's, that's why you start out doing it. I, I really tried to remind myself over the last couple of years why we do this. And, uh, I mean, sure, a lot of people, uh, everybody wants to kill a big deer, there's no doubt. But, uh, you know, big, I've heard it said a hundred times over the years that, you know, a, a trophy's in the eye of the beholder. And uh, I've really 
came to see that be true, you know, with me. I mean, like, I'm just as happy if I, I like shooting mature deer. I'm to that point now. Used to, like, three years ago, I was all about to score one, you know, and now I'm just, I, I've really started to enjoy the whole process. And I think uh, if people really understand why God gave us the responsibility to enjoy his creation the way he made it and what we can do to enhance it, they'll uh, enjoy it even more. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we've lost our social media, of course, it seems like brings out the worst in a lot of folks. And, and, and you're 100% right. It's really gotten carried away on how people, you know, you should let that deer go another year or two or, you know, like they... And who knows everything? And again, it's it's all what a person wants to do. And uh, you know, you you was right about shed earlier. Shed's muscled up. He can probably shove some weights. I think what we need to do is every comment shed needs to show up at the door, at that person's door, kind of as a uh, sergeant arms, so to speak, and uh, take care of business and tell them to stay off social media to start being kinder to people. But uh, you'd be willing to do that, wouldn't you, shed? Yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's that saying? People forget what it, what it's like to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's got everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. You know, so yeah. uh, yeah. it, it changes things a bit. Jordan, what's your deer strategies? What's worked the best for you? You're a rattler, a grunter. You what do you what do you do? Oh man, deer in the rut. You can't beat a, a grunt in a can. I, I grunt in a can. I mean, we don't rattle a whole lot down here. I haven't had a whole lot of success doing it i think it's because our buck to doe ratio is so out of whack in the state which i don't know if it is out of whack or that's the way god wants it to be down here i don't know mm -hmm. but <laughs> but anyway i've uh i've had a lot of success you know acting like a buck chasing a doe with the with a grunt call and a can i tell you primo's uh, and i've got uh, got one of my well i actually got two in my backpack that i've had had for years Primo's have sold many a can over the course of time, and, and, and they've been highly successful, hadn't they? They have. They uh, definitely worked, that's for sure. I think they've they've stood the test of time. You know, it's been around for 20-plus years now. What is, what is your hunting season, this upcoming season, look like, Jordan? You got several hunts planned? As of right now, all I have got is I leave on November 9th going to Kansas. But other than that, we're doing everything locally and We've, I mean, I've got, we've got shooter bucks in daylight right now coming just about every day, but there's too much other stuff that needs to be done to go hunt them, you know? Now, do y'all have a lease there in Kansas or are you hunting with somebody out there? A friend of mine, I actually met him when I was uh, at Mossy Oak years ago and we filmed a couple hunts out there and me and him really grew a good relationship and he, uh, he told me and Brad come up there, I guess three years ago and we didn't get a tag that year and last year we came and had a great time. Now, Shed, when are you heading to Kansas? Same same time? No, nah, I'm going to go. Oh, you're a little earlier than that, aren't you? Yeah, I'm probably going to go about 27, 28. Have both of you been to hunting Kansas before, Shed? You have, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy you're going out there with, Jordan? Jerry Page. He just a, he's, he's a farmer out there. It's not an outfitter. He just a farm. I don't know, a couple thousand acres and. This pretty cool experience going with him, and you just stay in his house with his family, and they just put you up, you know. Yeah. He's kind of you do it yourself pretty much. You go well. He's got a bunch of stand stuff hung, and you'll go sit in them wherever he tells you go, and see if you need to move accordingly. Now, do you have some cameras out that way? You've been looking at pictures there in Kansas, or uh, going in blind? Hey, 
it's, it's nice it's, it's nice to do that on occasion you know but uh, the cameras again do help a bunch shed you you got cameras out there get any pictures on your place yeah we got a bunch of cameras we get a bunch of pictures and you're bunch on good deer and you're on that lease with ben rising correct who just mm -hmm. killed a monster uh, which is yeah. not uh untypical for him you know he's he's killed a bunch of them he's a killer yeah, yeah, he kills some stuff. If he, you on the, if he, you and him are both on the property, there, there's got to be some dandies on there. You wouldn't, uh, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, have chose the place, would you? So you'll yeah, there's he's he killed a two fifteen out on this place a couple of years yeah. ago. So the deer are there. What what is a recent one score? Do you have any idea? Uh, big, it's probably big. close to one seventy. Yeah, classification of very big. Big, yeah. That's right. Hey, you got time for just a few kind of quick questions, uh, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. It's raining here, so I got all day. Perfect. Hey, what's your what's your favorite hunt of all time that you've had, and and, and a little bit of why? Crap. Okay. Narrow it down to a species. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's go whitetail. Then we'll go elk. Then we'll go uh, mule deer. No, we'll, whitetail. Hmm. Probably the first time I ever sat in a tree with Will Primos. Um, it was my first ever video hunt at Primos, video and a deer, and uh. It was my first time ever stepping foot on Cottonmouth, and we got up in this tree, and wasn't no cameras there, nothing, and we just, they thought it'd be a good spot for an opening sit. You can see a long way over a bunch of uh, dewberry and a bunch of maypop vines. Early season, they really key in on that in them river bottoms. And uh, we were sitting there, saw a bunch of deer that afternoon, and uh, I looked behind us, and I see a buck and he steps out from behind a tree, and I see it's a really, really big buck. And he's coming from behind us, and he's going to end up being like five feet under Will's tree, the way he's coming. And Will's hard of hearing, so I'm like, Will, Will. And he never hears me. <laughs> and finally, I tap him on the shoulder. This is the first time we've ever been in a tree together now. And really, the first time I'd ever been around him very longer than a couple hours. And... Uh, Finally, the deer comes around, and I'm tapping Will, and he finally looks down and sees the deer. And he doesn't say a word to me. He just grabs his bow. And uh, he draws back, and the deer comes around in front of us, and he shoots him at, like, 10 yards. And, like, I'm expecting them to, you know, just videoing over the years, and he's been videoing over the years, and I'm just like, I'm expecting him to ask me, you know, you good? Yeah. I'm not, you know, that's usually what happens. And he just shot him. I was like, okay, okay, what what just happened here? Anyway, is deer? Well, deer ended up being like a hundred and sixty-five inch ten point. But uh, the crazy, this just the whole emotions of that afternoon. First time being in a tree with him, killing a big deer like that, and every, like I just got lucky as I could to even have him on camera because like there was no communication. Like you have to hunt with people a good bit, you know, to really figure mm -hmm. out. Because like late, like now, if I hunt a wheel, we don't say a word to each other. We just know what each other's going to do and thinking, you know. And But at that point, I was like, I might get fired for this hunt, but I don't know. It was pretty fun. <laughs> was you a little intimidated in there being with him that first time? Or at least? Oh, very, very much, yeah. you know. I mean, normally I'm pretty bossy by when I'm running a camera just because you have to be sometimes. Yeah. And, uh you know, sitting in the tree with him, I didn't say a word to him because I didn't want to get fired or whatever, you know. And uh, but it was fun. That's probably one of my most memorable hunts. Because typically, I, everything goes through the cameraman. More than a hunter's 
just there at your mercy when when you tell him it's okay to go, right? So pretty much, depending on if they are okay with that. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> what uh, what camera do you use? It's a Sony FX7, I think, it, or F FS7. Sorry. I'm, uh, you go to ask me camera questions. I'm very ignorant on that. I yeah. just whatever somebody hands me, I learn how to run it. Well, I don't know. Uh, that means nothing to me what you said, but I'm writing it down because uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to get a good one at some point. So uh, I'll, well, I'll try to figure, uh, figure out what that's it means. A, it's a good camera. I wish uh, it doesn't have a manual zoom on it though. So you have to do it. I mean, it has a manual zoom. It doesn't have a very zoom. So okay. if I had my choice, I'd go back to a regular camera. I had a very zoom just for pushing in and pulling out and getting all that uh, stuff that you have to move your hands for now. Jordan, what's one thing about elk hunting that excites you the most? Probably just going out west and seeing those views. I mean, I, I love shooting them, don't get me wrong, but the whole excitement going out there every year, once you pull up through the gate and can see the mountains and stuff, yeah, that's probably the most excited you get. Because when it's all happening, you're worrying about 15 different things at once. It's not just you hunting. You're worried about if whoever's running the camera's got footage and if if I'm videoing, you're worrying about if you're getting the footage you need, mm -hmm. did you hit record and all that. So probably the most exciting I get is when we get there, just smelling it. Because yeah. if you've ever been out west and smelled a rutting, a rutting bull, they got a unique smell to them, <laughs> I can tell you that. At eight steps, you, you were smelling pretty good, wasn't you? Yeah, they uh, a shed knows that. They got a I got a stank to them that you won't ever forget. <laughs> you know, Shed probably knows the smell of a hog, too. He gets up close and personal with them things, don't you, Shed? Yep. They all kind of smell alike one day or the other. <laughs> you know, Jordan, what's one thing that you look forward to the most as it relates to deer season? Um, probably the rut down here. I mean, that December, January time when the and food plots start filling up in the afternoon. I love, I like early season bow hunting, but if you had to, like, I've been one time this fall. I just, down here, you don't get real fired up because usually it's real hot. And yeah, deer sweating are not and, and sweating to death. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's December, January down here, what we are preparing for. What's your weapon of choice if you're going to pick one? A bow. No question. All right, you, you're on a tractor yesterday. Of course, you had a little issue with with it, with the clutch. But if you could drive any tractor made, what's your choice? Probably John Deere, I'd guess. I like a motor too. I drive. I, I had a I had a, a red one last year, Case. So, yeah, they're all good. <laughs> as long as you own one, that ain't that ain't a bad day's. As long as I got it. one that'll go and work right, I'm good with it. That's the best one I best one I've had. <laughs> as long as they don't tear up. If you could have witnessed any event that's took taken place in the past, uh, regardless of what time period or where it was at, what would what would that have been? Any type of event. Yeah, and that's occurred in the past, like in past history. Any event, any type of event. What what would that have been for you? Man, I always wanted to see Noah loading all them animals up on the ark. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting <laughs> to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, think about all the animals on that sucker he had lined up. That's pretty neat. <laughs> What uh, what's one thing in your hunting arsenal that you can't live without? My cell phone. <laughs> it it goes in the hunting arsenal. You can't yeah. go hunting without no, it. No, you can't. It's hard to live without them. You know. Yeah. When you the it's lonely in the stand in the middle of the day and you need to occupy some time. You can pl play a game if you need to or read a story. Keep up at work. And not to mention the maps and stuff yeah. you have on them now. That's you know, right. 
and GPS the wind apps and, and all that. Figuring out how the heck to get out of there if you need to, and the, and the wife being able to get a hold of you is probably the number one, number one thing. <laughs> yeah. When you think about deer hunting success, who's the first person that uh, you immediately comes to your mind, excluding Shed and myself? <laughs> uh, Shed ain't laughing because of him; he's laughing because of me. <laughs> deer hunting success. I mean, I I would have to. I guess Will or probably Brad. I mean, he's a that sucker. He's a He's something else when it comes to figuring out a whitetail. Another pretty good fella, it's from all appearances, it seems. Yeah. Pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. What uh, what persons helped you the most in your life uh, in getting you where you're at today? There's been so many, you know. Uh, probably that- in the last, you know, six seven years, it's been my wife. She's she's been behind me behind all this. Good it answer. wouldn't work. Good it would it wouldn't have worked if she wouldn't been happy with it, you know. No. So. No, that's right. I tell you what, it takes a. It takes a spouse at home to to want your success really as much or more than you do, you know, to really make it work. If not, it puts a lot of strain on a, on a person and on a relationship. If you're going to have three songs on your on your musical playlist on your phone, there, what what would they be? Now, picture this though: Dustin's uh, Shed Whitaker's is thunderstruck, and you can just see old Shed walking through a swamp, you know water you know snakes and turtles <laughs> everywhere you know up about chest high playing thunderstruck that's he that's his number one oh <laughs> uh, probably what my most listened to song is uh johnny cash guys gonna cut you down that's, that's right. probably my that's my one of my go-to's going hunting especially during turkey season uh number two i don't i don't i really it really varies from year to year on my favorite songs uh uh, Celine Dion, the uh, Titanic song. I did, not, <laughs> I did not expect. What was Jake's uh, shed that he had? Something about kissing? Something? Yeah. It's, it may millennial, be... it's those millennial guys that just throw this stuff out there, and you're like, what the <laughs> heck is that? Yeah, he's, he's going to show reason. this. He's showing this to his wife tonight or something so she can see the tender oh, yeah. side of him, isn't he? If you ask him like his favorite movie, he'd probably be, you know, uh, The Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see the Titanic coming, Jordan, but what's number three? Oh, shoot. I don't know. I don't have a number three. <laughs> you know, you kind of like those baseball players have their walk-up song, you know, that they play. You got to have the same for hunting, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. do I do every year myself. Just want to kind of just get you in that, kind of like that pre-game mode, you know, for you. Are you getting ready to break I, from the huddle or get out on the field or whatever those it is? Two, those two are probably our most go-to songs. Uh, for whatever reason, the Celine Dion thing got played about five years ago, and we ended up killing a big deer that afternoon, so it came back ever since. Well, hey, I'll be firing up some Celine myself in this season if that's the case. Hey, yeah. what's, uh, what's something unique about you that uh, people would have no idea? I've got an electrician degree. That's what I went to school for, is to be right? an electrician. Yeah. Did, did you get to do much work with that when you when you got it, or did you just bypass it all together? I worked in a steel mill as an industrial electrician and uh, programming robots for two years until I started at Giles. So you, that's something most people can't see me doing is programming welding robots. So that'd be a pretty darn good paying job there. You walked away from a pretty good one, I would have to think, didn't you? I cut my pay in half when I started doing hunting stuff. 
another thing as far as related to, to getting in the hunting industry. If you want to in there, you do what you got to do. I was working 80, 90 hours a week doing that, and I didn't have a clue I was going right back into something else working 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. But I got to be outside and see different stuff mm -hmm. and meet different people, so it was a little bit better. I would have to thank Shed that he's got to be pretty sharp if he's programming robots and such, wouldn't you? Yeah. And that might be why he's listening to that Celine Dion. Yeah. That's, and, that's, uh, that's a reflection on us that we hadn't been, you know? Yeah, versus uh, the stuff we're putting in our brain. <laughs> that's right. Thunderstruck. That's right. Hey, what, uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, Will you... told me a few years ago, you need to be the same person at home as you are in front of the public eye. That's, a, that's an awful good one. Yeah. All right, last question. What's what's one favorite aspect of working for Primos? Favorite aspect is I probably uh, getting to hunt all the time. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty darn good good one, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, you know, mentioned earlier that uh, you know weight loss and whatnot, and uh, so you, health coach is what you do. So if anybody's interested in dropping a pound or two, there ain't nothing. And I've, I've tried about everything from running miles on. I got after it last year, and I was running like five miles a day. I was getting on the treadmill. We even got a treadmill in the bottom of my office, you know, so I could uh, on breaks or anytime I had, I go get on it, get on it. Then working, I did that for like four months, and I gained like three pounds. Now I was getting stronger and stuff. But I thought, well, yeah, I, I, there ain't no need for me to exercise any ever again if I want to lose some weight. Yeah, and, uh, it's, uh, this has been the easiest thing that there is. If you get your mind right, it's definitely the easiest thing. And uh, yeah, I took a took a, a class on whatever you know how to bunch of healthy eating habit stuff, and ended up getting. I'm a certified health coach now. Can you believe that too, Chef? <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Hey, oh, that's funny. Yeah, hey, look at me. I'm a, I'm a definition of health. Yeah, you look like Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I can just I can see him up here on the front like of a a, a big passenger type boat, just kind of leaning out over it with his arms out. Can't you see it? With with spandex on, yeah, full body suit of spandex, <laughs> a heck suit. Yep. Hey, but if anybody's listening and wants to lose a pound or two, it'd be worth their time to get a hold of you. There ain't no doubt. Yeah, about definitely. It. Yeah, I just my my wife, she's uh, probably gonna be starting Monday or Tuesday. Where, if people want to connect with you and watch more of your content and also Primo's content, what do they need to do, Jordan? Yeah, so uh, we I've got personal Instagram page. It's my name, Jordan Blissett, and same with Facebook and all that. And Primo's has got Instagram, Facebook, it's just Primo's Hunting. And uh, we have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to find some content. Do you and uh, Lake pretty well do the... The podcast just the two of you don't you or do you i guess you have some lake's the main host and i'm uh i'm a fill in when he ain't got nobody better to talk to <laughs> you all enjoyed that pretty good has it been pretty and how long you've been doing the podcast uh we started i think three years ago now and uh lake actually told me a couple of days ago we almost had uh i think three quarters of a million or a million downloads on it so That's pretty it's, uh, good then definitely growing us was uh been pretty good uh you know it started out with lake's mom being about the only listener so it's uh it's grown a lot this was one of them deals you got to stick at and keep stuff rolling out to you, let people know you, you got some content 
Do you think we got a shot at getting to maybe 10 <clears throat> listeners? Me and Shea, what, what do you think, Jordan? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you got to start. The, the, the craziest thing about podcasts is like you take Joe Rogan, for, for instance. Mm-hmm. He's uh, probably the most listened podcast in the world. Yeah. And uh, he said he went six years without it really doing anything before it took off. You know, I tell Joe Rogan's a whole other, that, that sucker's done about <clears throat> everything. You know, from uh, martial arts, you know, uh, winning, you know, I guess being, I don't even know what acronym, yeah, a, acronyms for what he's done, you know, or what, what leagues or cage fight or whatever it is. I don't know what you call it. Shed probably, Shed probably does it in his free time. <laughs> but I don't oh, know what all, what all you call that. But he's done that. He's been a stand-up comedian, you know. Now yeah. he's, he's been an actor. He's produced that. You know, he's he's done just about everything. So, which yeah. shows if you want to put your mind to something, uh, you you can get it done. So, kind of on I guess on your podcast was was it kind of like, hey, uh, let's let the new guys get this going, just throw it at them, let them let them do it. Yeah, it was actually Lake's idea to start it, and uh, <clears throat> Lake's uh he's really really good at the social media side of stuff. He actually uh started the Instagram page and all that for Primos. So, he's uh I'm uh I'm could kind of care less about the social stuff, but mm-hmm. I know uh, how important it is nowadays to keep it going, you yeah, know, for everything is. and uh, let people know what you're doing and all that. But Lake, uh, he's pretty much the guy that got all the podcasts and, and Instagram and all that going for primos. Now, did, did Lake, Lake grew up across the street from your, your wife? My wife, his, his, yeah. Children, so. uh, that was my connection to uh, get my foot in the door at primos is uh Jesse, she uh, was ready to get closer to family, and we were ready to start making a family, you know, and uh, Primo's being like 30 minutes from where she grew up at, it was a perfect fit, and Lake growing up across the street from her, he started there, I guess, uh, year, about the same year I started at Mossy Oak, and uh, they ended up needing a, another camera guy, and we got talking back and forth, and they, uh, anyway, offered me a job, and it was uh, definitely the best move for my family to move down here, just being closer to my wife's family and my family. We're all within an hour, everybody now, so it's it. good. It's funny how things work, isn't it? And kind of mm-hmm. how the small the world can be. And, and uh, for the people that don't think there's somebody kind of planning stuff, things like that kind of sure make, <laughs> don't, you, sure make you think don't, about it, don't it? That don't happen under if I If I would have made a plan on where I was going to be at in oh, five yeah. or six years, it, it wouldn't be where I'm at mm-hmm. now, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a divine hand in on on a lot of things. The person just uh, just lets it. Um, that's all I got. Uh, Shed, you got you got anything you wanna wanna conclude with with Jordan on? No, just good luck in Kansas. Hopefully you kill a billion. I appreciate it. We need to get y'all boys down here sometime this fall. Do something. Well, hey, thank you again, Jordan. Take care of yourself. All right, guys. Good talking with y'all. Yes, sir. You hey. too. Thank you for listening to Shed and I on the Foshi Creek Podcast as we had the opportunity to visit with Mr. Jordan Blissett of Primos. Please subscribe, rate, review, and follow our podcast and share with others. The only way that we can improve and expand our base is through our listeners. Thanks, Mom. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Foshi Creek. We will see you next episode, and remember, we learned everything we knew down on Foshi Creek.